0: Before we get started, I want to tell you about Adaptor. Adaptor started as a community to help people adapt to their new role. After tremendous response, we now have built a platform. This platform is a personal and a professional platform that helps you receive feedback, tailored customized content and also masterclasses. We also give you expert coaching. It is also a channel to ask anonymized advice without any professional barrier. So please stay in touch with us and log in into www.adaptoppro.com. Welcome to Adapter. Welcome to Adapter Podcast, where you will listen from leaders and experts who have lived your future or have helped people live your future. I'm your host, Swatna Savan, and also founder of Adapter. For today's guest is Carly. Carly Gribrau has 12 years experience as executive leadership coach and people operational leader. Carly partners with high achieving value driven individuals and organizations to elevate leadership effectiveness. Welcome, Carly. Thank you so much for taking some time from your busy schedule. It is so wonderful to have you, Carly.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm so looking forward to this conversation.
0: Yeah, same here. And to be honest, before we even get started, I really want to know your journey. I want to and specifically understand, when did you decide to pivot and be an executive coach?
1: Yeah, it's a great question in our stories, right? Each of ours are also rich. Um, I'd say for me, it wasn't actually so much of a pivot as a gradual realization that this is really where I wanted to spend the entirety of my time. So backing up a little bit, my my whole career has essentially been in leadership development and coaching others with the theme of amplifying impact. So when I graduated from college, um, I actually, I was a teacher. So I worked in a low-income school in Houston, Texas. I taught fifth grade science there. I really had no intention of staying in the education world or this broader leadership development world, but my experience as a teacher was so profoundly impactful for me, specifically the relationship component to it and the being able to, you know, working with my students and helping them see a future for themselves that might not have been accessible previously. It was like something clicked for me and I knew that I wanted to spend more time in that space. So after leaving the classroom, Um, I went to work as a leadership coach for a large national nonprofit. And essentially, my job over the next decade or so um, was to help leaders, so school administrators, leaders in the broader educational space, social impact leaders, teachers, figure out their vision and how to actualize it and how to get there through a coaching capacity. So a lot of that looked like one-on-one coaching. It looked like developing national leadership um, programs. And just through that work, I found that like there is something so cool, right, about a leader being able to figure out what is most important to them amidst a really messy, bureaucratic, clunky system, and then work relentlessly towards those goals. And you know, I I love that experience so much. I think it's what made me stay in that space for such a long time. But at the same time, I was also feeling like, okay, I've been in this world for a while. I know that people and leadership development and coaching is something that's really important to me. I want to experience what that's like in a totally different ecosystem. So I pivoted and moved to the startup world. Um, I was head of people at a super quickly growing real estate startup, which is very different from working at a national nonprofit leadership educational equity focused organization. Um, But there I was essentially charged with a lot of the same things, right? like helping to shape a person's experience at work, helping ultimately to amplify the impact of a company through a people development lens. And while I was there, I realized that so much of the sort of training and development that I had had in my career was pretty absent from this environment, not for lack of want, but just for lack of space and skill and time, which I think is pretty common when you move to a startup. Um, oftentimes folks are super talented and are propelled into these different leadership positions and are like, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, (laughs) we can talk a little bit more about that too. Um, so yeah, through that, I mean, a lot of the work that I was doing there was executive coaching and leadership coaching, helping people similar to when I was working with teachers and other folks figure out how do they want to be in this new role? How do they want to be in this space? What's most important to them? And ultimately, I realized that while I was having an impact at this one organization, these challenges and these questions are not unique to the specific startup that I was at, right? Like this is something that impacts people. Um, Whether you work at a large Fortune 500 company or you're founding your own company, whether you're on an executive team or you're a manager or you're an individual contributor, like these questions are really big and they're super hard to answer by yourself. So that realization sort of propelled me into what I do now full-time as executive and leadership coaching really helping people evolve into skillful, mindful, conscious leaders. Um, so that, that's the story. And again, it's really not so much of a pivot as like this gradual realization to you know, me now getting to spend time in a way that is truly energizing and very much so aligned to um, my, my own purpose and values.
0: That's so powerful, actually, Carly. I mean, I, I agree with you that it is not like a pivot, but you actually literally did pinpoint the challenges that leaders like me and many others have. When I also stepped into a different role, I didn't know what I was doing, to be honest. I don't know whether I should admit it, but actually it's true. I just happened, there was a challenge. I was the right person to face that challenge. So the company said, okay, here you go. And But the drive was there. And that actually helped me. And that's actually how I got into that stage in my career where the, the drive pushed me and inspired me to learn new things.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so common and the drive is so important, right? And, and that's just oftentimes what happens. You realize that you have so much capability and so much capacity to take on more and oftentimes when you're in those uncomfortable situations, it is where growth happens. And at the same time, there are real fundamental skills. I'll add self-awareness as a skill there that are important to, to helping you not only become an effective leader, but to become like a happy and fulfilled leader, um, which is, in my opinion, as equally as important.
0: Yeah, true. I just like the way you are t- talking about all our challenges and you have like a very like nice smile on your face while talking about your challenge but thank you for that
1: <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah i mean i am definitely an optimist at my core um and that that is just true to who i am Cut. so we have talked
0: a lot about coaching and helping people adapt into new roles. What really intrigued me in is the specific section you had in your site. And that is about 360 degree evaluation. I would love to understand a bit more about why did you think that it should be its own category? Tell us more about that.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't know if you, have you had the experience of having a 360 evaluation? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yes. Right? So me too. And I remember the first time that I had one, I mean, honestly, it felt like an autopsy, right? You're like, whoa, this is something that I I really want to know and I feel so vulnerable and exposed hearing from people whose opinions I deeply matter, I deeply, um, I deeply care about, you know, how I'm showing up and what my strengths are and what my tendencies are. And for me, it was a turning point in my leadership. It was a time where I... Was really able to harness the things that I was great at and my own special capabilities and superpowers, and gain a much deeper sense of self awareness around, you know, how I react when I'm stressed and when I'm anxious and when, frankly, I'm scared. Um, and so much of coaching, the foundation of coaching, is building self awareness recognizing what are my strengths? What are the values that are most important to me? How am I able to show up when I'm truly in a self-actualized creative place? And then what are the patterns that I fall into when I am in a place of fear or stress or anxiety or pressure? Um, So for me in coaching, oftentimes with clients, this is sort of the bedrock of our work is going through the process of a 360, gathering that data from stakeholders who know you really well, and using that as a you know, launch pad, if you will, to define the things that are most important for you to work on. Um, oftentimes, I'll have folks who come back and they're like, wow, <laughs> my own self-evaluation is actually like pretty different than the people who I work most closely with. And we'll explore those differences because that in and of itself is such a helpful is such a helpful recognition for moving forward as a leader. So I don't think that it's absolutely crucial for people who are interested in coaching or for leaders to you know, start a coaching relationship with a 360 evaluation. But I do think that it is a really helpful data point to get information about how you're perceived, how you're showing up, and then use that to guide the things that are actually going to be most impactful for you to work on.
0: Yeah, I'm totally, I totally agree with you. The first time I had my 360, I would be honest with you, I couldn't sleep that night because I was like, what are people going to talk about me? It took me a while to actually be okay with it and understand what exactly 360 even means, and how that evaluation actually is going to help me grow in my career. Mm-hmm. And now I'm actually willing, and the, there's one more saying, that as you grow up the ladder, it is hard to gather feedback from, from others. So now I'm just like, wherever I can gather feedback for myself, because I'm like, please critique me, because I want to know and learn from that.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, that that orientation towards learning, I think, is so wonderful. Um, But you're totally right. Like, a 360 can fall on deaf ears if you're not open and receptive to it. So leaders do need to be in a place where they are actually willing to hear what's coming out of this review. um, And it it is it is just a catalyst for development and i i also feel like you know it's kind of like sugar right like once you get a taste you kind of want more um once you get this experience of holistic wonderful feedback you get hungry for it and you're completely right that the further you move up a sort of typical hierarchical ladder the less likely people are to give you candid honest robust feedback even if that's something that's super important to you as a leader, so oftentimes I find that simply by you know me coming in as an objective third party, um, leaders are able to get a depth of insight that they wouldn't necessarily get if they were just to you know ask their team uh, their opinions on some of these things.
0: Yeah, totally agreed, and that that is something that reminds me we should be adding three hundred and sixty, not just. I mean, it is good to have a third uh, third party doing it, but it should also be something that an organization thinks about. As holistically to do 360. Yeah, totally. Let's t- take a little bit of a different area around challenges. What do you think is the biggest challenge
1: a leader would face? Ooh, the biggest challenge a leader would face. Well, I'll I'll just start from my own experience and tell you some of the biggest challenges that I myself have faced. Um, you know, one of which every time I've moved into a new role, and I'll say. That each of those roles were sort of stereotypically had more influence, right? In an organization, moving from a manager to a managing director to a head of a department, et cetera. A challenge that I faced consistently was like, who do I want to be in this new role? And trying to figure out how do I show up as authentically Carly in this new environment that I'm in? And I say that's a challenge, and I see this oftentimes with people that I work with too, is there's this tendency to, when you move into a new position, to either try to emulate somebody that's been in that role before, um, conform to what you think is necessary of you in that role, conform to what you think is necessary of you for that organization if you've just moved to a new company, or like completely panic and throw all of your leadership tools out the window and just operate from this place of like reactivity versus proactivity. Um, so I think that that is really a challenge and it's the, the thing that I is sort of the silver lining of this challenge is it's, it's all about you, right? Like it is within your control to figure out who you want to be as a leader, how you want to show up, what values are most important to you, what you want your team and the people that you work with or your clients to say about you, but it's a conscious choice that you need to make. So once I figured out like, oh, I get to be me in this different position that I'm in. And here's what that looks like. Here are the associated actions and mindsets, right? Like I'm a warm, outgoing person. It would be very odd for me to try and fit into a more like stereotypically stern leader, which I tried to do at times in my career, right? And it unsurprisingly just did not go very well. Um, But once I embraced, you know, who I was in that role, I found that everything else sort of followed with more ease. So I'll say that 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 is definitely a challenge that an emerging leader or any leader will face at some point in time in their career, whether it's now, whether they already faced it, whether they will face it. Um, You know, I'll, I'll say something else that I see oftentimes come up that I myself have also experienced is, you know, this idea around success and what success looks like. Um, How do you define it for yourself? What, at the end of the day, is sort of your own personal dashboard for how am I doing? And that can be really hard because depending on the role that you're in, there might be very specific metrics that you're held responsible to. Um, There might also be things that you hold yourself accountable for that are, frankly, like unachievable at times. Um, So I think defining in a real holistic way what success looks like for you. And and I would encourage people who are listening, like, take a little bit of a mental note here on this. Like, can you define what success looks like for yourself? Um, Because it can be a real motivator when you have a clear definition of that, but like a real true challenge if you don't.
0: Yeah. So there are two major points actually you made here. One is you talked about being authentic. Mm-hmm. And then the second piece, you actually talked about driving towards what success means to you. So with that in mind, actually, I would like to know, how do you measure your success?
1: Yeah. So, you know, it's it's looked different for me over time, but now, honestly, in this role that I have, my success is measured by impact that I feel like I'm having. Um, success is measured to what extent I'm able to live into the values that are most important to me at this moment, which is impact, like I mentioned, connectedness, and my family. Um, So if I were to sort of like have my own personal (laughs) dashboard and rate myself essentially on how I'm doing on those things at any given week, like I, those are the things that are most important to me. Um, It's not about number of clients served. It's not about revenue. it's, It's not about that. It really is about, you know, are the folks that I'm working with able to have the impact that they want, therefore meaning that, like, I'm able to have the impact that I'm seeking to have.
0: Yeah. And I personally actually saw a glimpse of it in you when I was talking to you about adapter for the very first time. You were trying to see where you can fit in, where you can make sure that you can, you're able to support me. So Thank you for that
1: too. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. But I mean, that's like really what it's all about, right? I I'd say a, a lot of how I operate as a person and as somebody that runs a business is is listening to my heart, it, which sounds I know like so kind of fluffy, um, but it's a part of our body, just like our head is too, right? And we get so much information and so much chatter going on in our head, and I, I really try to listen to what my heart is telling me and follow that. And so far, um, you know, it's brought me to clients that I really resonate with. It's brought me to experiences that I'm so thankful to have had. And it's allowed me to sort of operate in a way that really does feel authentic. Um, Not without it stumbles, but <laughs> it feels good to be in that place.
0: All right. So it's like authenticity and trying to define your own success and then following your gut.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Which is sort of similar, right, to what brought you to Adapt Up. Like, this is something that I know needs to exist. I'm going to go for it. Yes, definitely. Definitely.
0: So, Carly, let's talk a little bit about work life balance. Any advice is there around work life
1: balance? Any advice around work life balance? Well, I'm not sure that work life balance exists necessarily. Um, <laughs> I. Yeah, pandemic. I mean, right, like, we have just been through the ringer with this. and. I I have two small kids at home too. So just this idea of balance in general is such a hard concept for me to grasp because life is relatively chaotic. You know, if anybody out there has young kids, I have a four and a half year old and a three year old. So the only thing that's balancing are like toys on random places. But I <laughs> I actually think about this more in terms of integration. Um And how does your life integrate with your work? And how does your work integrate with your life? And I'll say for me, I definitely had a moment in my own career a couple of years ago where I knew that the integration was not where I wanted to be. Like Things were definitely things were definitely out of whack, right? And that showed up as me working way too much, not spending enough time with my family, feeling very stressed out. I wouldn't call it burnout necessarily, but something was not right. And you know what it took for me was a pretty harsh look in the mirror to say, like, what actually are my most important priorities? What do I in particular have a right to what's okay, what's not okay, and then what are the boundaries that I actually need to set. So, in terms of advice on this, I, that's essentially what I would recommend to people is when you get sort of the initial feeling that things are not integrated the way that you would like them to be, right? Take a hard look and ask yourself what what are my priorities and what do I have a right to? I have a right to sleep. I have a right to leisure time. I have a right to time with my family. I have a right to pursue hobbies that are important to me. Whatever it is, and then defining for yourself, which I actually think can be one of the harder parts, what's okay, what's not okay, and then what's that gray area because that comes up, right? Like this is not this is not black and white. It's not a switch you can flip on and off. And then after actually carving out those things for yourself, you might find like, whoa, there are lots that I haven't communicated to people about my boundaries that I actually do, and that's a great place to start. You might also find that I have communicated these to people before, but maybe I haven't reinforced them recently, or maybe they've actually changed because my life has changed, um, as so many of ours have. Um, so I, I, you know, it's sort of like going to the dentist, right? It's like something you got to do every quarter, every six or so months is take stock of what's most important. Where am I at on this scale? And what do I either need to change, reinforce, re-communicate, um, or hold, frankly, people accountable too, so that those boundaries exist for myself.
0: Yeah, The way I have enforced myself with those boundaries is I never removed my laptop from my desk. Because earlier on, and this, may, this might sound me too old, but we used to have desktops. We never mm-hmm. had laptops. And that used to help. But now I, I usually see people like using their laptops on their in their bedrooms, sometimes in their living rooms. So I have started, I have made a promise to myself to never remove my laptop. So once I'm out of my desk, I'm out of work, basically. I'm back home.
1: Yeah, I mean, you've created a boundary for yourself the way that you just described that, a physical boundary. My computer stays here. And this is the place where it lives. I mean, I, I have clients who do that with their phones. Similarly, I'm going to turn off Slack notifications, or I won't even have Slack on my phone. Um, there are so many different things that you can do if you feel like you yourself need that physical boundary, <laughs> just to distance yourself from work. And sure, I mean, so many of us work from home now. Just the dynamics have changed. It is harder to leave work at work if your work is your home. Um, but I, I think. That, you know, another thing that can be really helpful here too is having just some sort of accountability partner in whatever sort of boundary that you set, whether that's someone that you live with, whether that is another coworker or a friend, just to help hold you accountable to say, like, all right, you said that you weren't going to work after X amount of time. Log off. Let's go do something else. <laughs> yes,
0: totally. And by the way, I would like to meet those people who could. Not have slack on their phones because I feel I'm addicted to my phone. It is an extension to my my body at this point.
1: Isn't that such a wild thing? Um, yes, I know it really is. And I grew up in a time where like we didn't have smartphones. I had the little like Nokia block thing. When I turned sixteen, it could drive. So it's still um, at times I still feel like a luddite when I'm like, what do I do with what do I do with this? But yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, Carly, before I let you go, I would love to know where can we go to learn more about
1: you? Yeah, Um, probably my website is the best place to learn more about me. So just www.carlygribov.com. There you can sort of poke around, learn a little bit more about my background, my work, um, the ways in which I work with clients. And I'd say if, if you are interested in coaching or if you find yourself in a place of transition or you're generally just longing to become a more skillful and mindful conscious leader um explore coaching if you haven't it's such a wonderful tool that frankly so many organizations sponsor these days um that really gives you one-on-one tailored individualized support to help you reach the goals that are most important to you
0: thanks a lot carly for joining us today And all the notes that you just gave us, I will make sure that it is part of our podcast description so that everybody will have that handy. Thank you, Carly.
1: Thank you.